Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. Let me make this quick. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I am so excited about uh, this women's conference. And just to reiterate what Juliet said, we are burden people. All that means is we move and God gives us a burden. We, we, would, we, we have a lot of good ideas. There's a lot of good stuff that we could have done over the last six and a half, almost seven years. We let all those good ideas pass, and we let the God ideas stick, right? It would be a good idea if we did this. It would be a good idea if we said that. Uh, but then when the God idea comes, you know because of the response that it has. And so uh, I think this year um, God's going to do something significant for the women in this church and for the women that know the women in this church. So I'm excited about it. Um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to get them. We've been in a series called uh, Peace of Mind. The whole journey that we've been on has been on mental health. Uh, has it blessed anybody besides me? I mean, I know it's brought up a lot for some people, but there's been some breakthroughs, and we've been getting testimonies literally every single weekend. I know for a fact that you all are using the resources that we've been putting up on the screens because those counselors and those therapists have literally told us uh, we have more people coming from your church uh, to our office than from anywhere else right now. And so the fact that you are following up and initiating, uh, uh, getting your own healing, your own freedom is, is such a powerful thing. Uh, I believe I have uh, one more weekend after this, which means that the last um, uh, uh, message of this series will be on Mother's Day. Now, again, because I'm a burden preacher, uh, I, I've never looked at certain days and thought to myself, I must have a message for mothers, right? No slight to mamas. Uh, but y'all need the word too. And so um, <laughs> I, I just know to deliver my burden. So if you bring your mother next weekend, like come to church, it's Mother's Day, right? Or mama, if you bring somebody that usually doesn't come to church and you're like, it's Mother's Day, you gotta join me and then feed me eggs, right? Whatever you want. Uh, I just want you to know that I'll still be in this series, right? And that's no slight to you. We'll honor you, but then I get to get back to work and... Uh, we just want all the mamas to have no trauma. So if you are a mama minus the trauma, I think you'll be good for your spouse and your kids and everybody else, right? Your grandkids and all that stuff. So um, uh, can we give it up for Tim Rivers? I know he's not here today, but Tim Rivers did an incredible, incredible job last week talking about being caught and the fact that if uh, uh, you do get caught, it's actually God's grace right, that you get caught. It's not that he's mad at you. It's that he wants to save you. And so uh, I've been in uh, a message uh, called Recovery. The last time I spoke was Recovery 101. This weekend is Recovery 202. I'm taking you literally through the three stages of trauma recovery. The first stage was uh, stabilization and safety. And if you haven't listened to that message, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. This is Recovery 202. Again, I don't come up with jazzy titles. I just want to get to work. Is that all right? Um, so I want to read you uh, what stage two is really about first, and then I'm going to read you some passages of Scripture, then I'll give you some points, and then we'll go home. Well, we'll go to a hotel. I don't know what y'all going to do. Um, here's what it says. Stage two, coming to terms with traumatic memories. This is what we want to talk about today, coming to terms with traumatic memories. At this stage, this is what it says, the client works to overcome the fear of traumatic memories so that they can be 
integrated, allowing appreciation for the person he or she has become as a result of the trauma. Let that marinate real quick. That, that's, that's a good line. Because if you can recover from your trauma, you can appreciate what you've been through and celebrate what God has done as you have recovered. That means you're no longer in it as a victim. You, you, you can remember it as a victor. Okay? Uh, in order to metabolize, not just verbalize memories, clients may make use of EMDR, hypnotherapy, or mind-body therapy. Stop right there, because I know a lot of people can get scared when you hear the word like hypnotherapy or something like that. I, I don't do hypnotherapy, but I do do EMDR. EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and uh, Reprocessing. I'm just glad I remembered that. And... Um, uh, uh, you, uh, there's a lot of people that believe that there's some kind of witchcraft going on with EMDR and they put you in a trance. No, they just put you in a calm state so that you can go back to the traumatic memories of your past, reprocess them so that they don't trigger you and you have a meltdown. That's all it means. It means when somebody brings up something you've been through, you don't spaz out. Okay, this is already something that's in your neural network and all they do is go in and make sure that your neural network is not controlling you, but you are indeed controlling it. With that said, I'll move on. Pacing ensures that the client does not become stuck in avoidance or overwhelmed by memories and flashbacks. Since remembering is not recovering... Since remembering is not recovering, the goal is only to come to terms with the traumatic past. This is such a powerful statement because a lot of people think that if they remember it and that they can talk about it, that they've recovered. But we, we know that's not what's going on in the world right now. People are remembering stuff and they're verbalizing stuff, but they have not metabolized that stuff and so literally all they're doing is puking up their past and playing in it and flicking it on people. Yeah. <laughs> if that's not a good image for you, I don't know what is. So for all of y'all that still watch Red Table Talk, how's that throw up treating you? Because they're verbalizing it and they're remembering it. But there's no conclusion. There's no healing. There's no freedom. They're still triggered. So we want to actually move to freedom and not just talking about something like it's our past, but it's still our present. With that, let us pray. Holy Spirit, help us to recover. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter number uh, 11, starting at the 16th verse. Uh, Paul starts a discourse uh, with the uh, Corinthian uh, churches uh, in chapter number 10, and he, it, and, and he is starting to defend his apostolic ministry. In defense of his apostolic ministry, because there's some people that think Paul's a fraud. They actually think that his, uh, 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 that his pen is louder than his voice. They would literally say that Paul writes strong letters, but every time we see him in person, he, 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 he shuns back from speaking with as much force as he writes with. Paul tries to remind these people who he is. 
And in reminding them who he is, he disclaims and says, hey, I know I'm talking foolish right now. I know I'm talking reckless. I know I don't boast like the rest of you all boast. Uh, but if I had to give you my resume, here's how my resume would sound. Starting at the 17th verse of 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, um, 16th verse, here's what it says. Again, I say, don't think that I am a fool to talk to you like this. But even if you do listen to me as you would to a foolish person, while I boast, while I also boast a little. Such boasting is not from the Lord, but I am acting like a fool. And since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. After all, you think you are so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. When you put up with someone, when you put up, uh, you put up with it when someone enslaves you, takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes, co takes control of everything, and slaps you in the face. I am ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do that. But whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again, I dare to boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. Can I just stop right here? This is a testimony. If this dude was in the churches we grew up in, first giving honor to God who was the head of my life, just want to tell you a little bit about the, what the Lord has brought me through. Most of our testimonies are like, you know what? My car engine broke down and I was stranded on 35, but the Lord came through. I didn't even know my AAA status was still active. And God came in and he helped me out. And I, I, saints, I just want to thank the Lord. Praise the Lord, saints. I just want to give you a quick testimony. My AC went out. It was 92 degrees at night in my house. We were sweating and we tested that deodorant to see if that 48-hour rule still applied. But then God made a way. There was a stimulus check that I forgot to cash and God came through and I was able to get the AC fixed. And we're like, yay! Paul's over here like, yeah, okay. Is that all? Because I, I bear the marks in my body that I've been with God. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. Go ahead and get poetry, poetic now. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and in the deserts and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without me feeling that weakness? Who is led astray that I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God 
the father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I'm not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Aretas kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. This is a man that has just communicated to the entire church the traumatic experiences that he's been through. And he was able to articulate these traumatic experiences without causing them trauma in the process. Let me say that uh, uh, there is, ooh, I didn't know this was coming out. Okay, Holy Spirit. Mm. Okay. There are some people that are leading churches not through a place of restoration, but through a place of their still open brokenness. And some of these churches become very, very large. And it looks very, very successful from the outside. But upon further inspection, what you find is that this is not influence. This is an infection. The difference between influence and an infection is that for an infection to spread and to grow, you need an open wound. And so if I have a wound and you have the same wound, we identify with each other. So we all come together. Then you find somebody else that has that brokenness and somebody else that has their brokenness. And before you know it, everybody's in the room talking about their brokenness. Talking about their past as if it's the past, but it's really still the present. Influence means the way that that spreads is that you actually have an open heart. You're ready to receive something from somebody that has gone through something and is clearly on the other side of it and does not use that as the foundation of their entire ministry. Is it laid on Jesus Christ as our chief apostle or is it laid on your brokenness? We all broken and we all got problems and we got, all got situations and you know what I've been through and you know what my struggles have been and then you like, I know exactly what your struggles have been because it's like my time. Mine struggles the same way. <laughs> that message was amazing. It's like, no, but he just preached his struggle. He didn't even go to the Bible. Paul articulates this not for sympathy. It was to calibrate everybody that was reading his letters that, listen, I've been through things that the other people won't even talk about. They keep talking to you about how amazing they are, giving you a list of all of their strengths and all of the things that they do well. I'm coming to you very transparently and very authentically to tell you I've been through hell and God has brought me out. I'm not even mad at the people that beat me. I pray for them. I have peace even when I'm in prison. On the days that I was starving, I rejoiced. That's somebody who has metabolized the trauma and said God is still good in spite of what I've been through. He doesn't list this trauma and go, where was God? 
I prayed and I fasted and I gave my tithes. How come God didn't come through for me? He understands that his traumatic experiences and his relationship with God is not enmeshed. God didn't make me go through this to prove to me that he loved me. He wasn't somehow trying to put me through a strange test to see if I would pass it. Life happens to everybody. My friend, uh, I was in the studio with my friend a couple of weeks ago, and he made this statement. This statement is so hood, but as soon as he said it, I completely understood it. I mean, it was like intrinsically like, I, I didn't know I needed to hear this statement. How come it's not in the book of Proverbs? He just said, man, life be lifing. Ain't it good? Like, I mean, it seemed like, what does that even mean? But as soon as you heard it, you get it, don't you? Life be lifing. And when you understand life be lifing, then you understand that God is there to navigate and be with you through your life. As opposed to he's putting you through an obstacle course. So you can prove how much you love him and then to prove that he loves you. I remember being in a session many, many years ago uh, 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 with uh, a counselor and, and they were taking me back to a traumatic memory. The traumatic memory was me being molested by uh, my neighbor across the street. And he says, I want you to tell me where God is. Close your eyes, pray. And I want you to say, Jesus, show me where you are in this picture. And so I'm, I got my eyes closed and I'm praying and, and, and I said, Jesus, show me where you are in this picture. And this first picture, the first image that I saw uh, was Jesus standing, looking at my abuser abusing me and saying, it's okay, son, I'm here for you. You're going to be all right. And that's what I told my counselor. And he said, open your eyes. Open my eyes. He was like, hey, we're going we're gonna to do this again, but I'm going to pray first. God of the universe, you show Tim where you were on the day that he was abused. Close my eyes again. And that image of Jesus turned into a very dark figure. That wasn't Jesus. And when I looked back at me, it was no longer me. It was Jesus. And I began to weep. He said, what are you crying about? I said, um, I think I see Jesus. He said, where is he? I said, he's being abused with me. He said, that's where he's always been. Because he just didn't die for the sins of the world, for what people did. He also died for what was done. Do you know how that changed me? Do you know that I can look back on that memory now and know that God didn't put me through that to make me who I am? I'll never forget somebody coming up to me when my brother got killed. Uh, my brother, uh, Miles, was killed in a car accident in, on September 17th of 2004. Most traumatic thing I've been through in my life. It was more traumatic than, than uh, the sexual abuse. Uh, and I remember, uh, you know, sometimes when people are grieving and other people don't know what to say, so they say stuff. 
and you just have to be like, wow, you, sh you should shut up. <laughs> like, just don't talk. <laughs> Before you say something dumb, don't talk. I'd rather you just sit with me in silence than to say something dumb. I was a preacher at the time. I was an elder at the, at, at, at the church I was at. I already knew the Bible. I didn't need a scripture. I already knew it. Then this person comes up to me and they were like, hey, um, you, I heard you lost your brother. I said, yeah. They were like, I just feel like God's going to give you a greater anointing now that your brother's passed. I said, okay, so let's stop. I don't want it. How about that? How about I didn't even ask for a greater anointing? Are, are you telling me that, that, that my brother's death is so that he can give me a greater anointing? How about I don't want the anointing, I want my brother? Because the one I was operating in was cool. There was nothing wrong with the anointing I had. So, so if we keep thinking that God is putting us through stuff to get, like, here comes you, you level up every time you go through something. No, life be lifing. Proverbs 32 and 1. Life be lifing. Okay. L let's just acknowledge that life happens and God's with us through it all. Just like Ryan just said, his dad is going through cancer right now. Even though they walk through the valley, the Abraham family is walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but they fear no evil. You don't, you don't think his, his, his father has served God and preached and, and led a, an incredible church in Oxnard, California, for, for, and now God's going to, I'm going to level you up, but cancer has to come first. No, cancer just be happening because life be lifing. Folks that love Jesus get in car accidents because life be lifing. People lose their children because life be lifing. People have miscarriages because life be lifing. Not because you've done something wrong or you've done something right. Because then that means we're not going to walk on eggshells. So, so, when it, so, so when I'm talking about coming to terms with traumatic events, I'm talking about you being able to metabolize it and just go, you know what? I hate that that happened, but God is still faithful. I know God didn't put me through this situation, but he was with me through this situation and I'm coming back on the other side better because my God is faithful and he won't leave me in a broken place. That's when, when, when you get healing like that, when you get a message like that, you can recover. But you cannot recover if you just keep repeating the same narrative. Broken, 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 broken. On a loop? Your breakthrough's coming, your breakthrough's coming, your breakthrough's coming. You, when are you going to get it, though? When are you going to keep it? Point number one. <laughs> you feel me? So I'm giving it to you on this good old anniversary day. Let's get it. Remembering is not recovering. Point number one. Remembering is not recovering. It's not enough for you to remember what's happened to you in your past. It's not enough that you can even verbalize it. Has it been metabolized? Has it been integrated into your mind that what you've been through does not define you? 
Remembering is not recovering. Here's what it says in Exodus chapter number 12, verse number 14. God says this to the children of Israel on the day that they would literally exit Egypt. This is a day to what? Remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for how long? All time. God says to the children of Israel, listen, I want you to understand something. I'm going to do something for you. I'm bringing you up out of Egypt. I'm taking you into the promised land. This traumatic experience that you've gone through for 400 years, I'm bringing you out of it. And as many generations that was in it, I want as many generations to be out of it and experience freedom. See, we should get to the point that to really uh, uh, walk in a generational blessing means that we started to divorce ourselves from the past of our pain and we're no longer perpetuating a generational curse. We start perpetuating a generational blessing. So that from my grandfather to my daddy to me to my sons, there should be a trajectory of freedom. That what bothered my granddaddy didn't bother me and what, bothered, what didn't bother me no longer bothers my kids. And what doesn't bother my kids doesn't bother their kids' kids. You may be the first person in the family to break alcoholism. But you shouldn't be the last. You know that, you, that you're walking in a generational blessing, not for how you live the rest of your life, but how your kids' kids live their life. If you can come off of it and break it and then your grandkid never touches it, now you're walking in a blessing. If you were bound by pornography and lust, but your kids grow up pure, now you're walking in freedom. If everybody in your house was angry, mad, bitter, petty, and you break that and you're loving, kind, forgiving, then your kids grow up loving, kind, forgiving, and their kids grow up loving, kind, forgiving, then at the family reunion, they're going to be like, who is you? You don't look like the rest of us. What strand of Robinson are you? We're the free strand. <laughs> My granddaddy said, enough of this pettiness. We don't do this no more. We, we're going to love each other. We're going to forgive quickly. We're not going to let that stuff marinate and fester and everybody done died of heart attacks and ulcers and Stomach cancer and so 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 God said, "Hey, this, I'm bringing you out. This is gonna be a day that you remember. Tell everybody in your family and tell them, tell your kids and your kids, kids and your kids, 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 kids. kids. This is freedom. This is what freedom looks like. I'm bringing you out, right? So He brings him out. He brings him into the wilderness. Wilderness was their detox program. They didn't come straight out of the wilderness straight into the promised land. They had to detox first." Before you go into the promised land, you need to know who you're going into the promised land with. So God does bring you through a wilderness, series, a wilderness season, and the wilderness season is to dry you out. That's why it's a wilderness. He's there to dry you out. It was their rehab clinic. It was their facility. Before I take you into the promised land, I got to get the taste of your past out of your mouth. Because you're used to having a master. You're not used to having a lord. You're used to having Pharaoh. You're not used to having faithful. So I got to pull you out. 
So he says, this is what I want you to remember. I'm bringing you out of Egypt. I want you to remember this. Numbers chapter number uh, uh, 11, starting at the fourth verse. Here's what it says. Then the foreign rabble. Oh, I wish I had time to preach about the foreign rabble. The foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. Can I just pause and say, the Israelites are not the first people to crave Egypt. It was the people that came with them that didn't have covenant with their God. Please be careful of your support system and the company you keep. Because sometimes the wrong company can make you relapse. And in the name of, that's my homie. I've known him a long time. That's been my friend. Four down to the ground since eighth grade. Well, if you're trying to recover and move on, and they're not, they'll start craving stuff that you're trying to literally break. The foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. They didn't start it. They joined in. They wasn't even thinking about their past until somebody else triggered it. This is why your support system is so important. You need to make sure that everybody around you while you're trying to come out of trauma are safe people that don't try to just tell you to justify. Come on, a little taste ain't going to hurt you. I know you're not drinking no more, but girl, it's a celebration. It's just champagne. I don't know why I sound like Nicki Minaj right now, but it's just a celebration. It's just champagne. But champagne turns into a demon for you. It starts with champagne. It ends with Jack Daniels. It ends with some yak and some hen. Some of y'all from Houston, it ends with lean. Only a few people know what lean is. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this provision. I'm sorry, that's not what it says. All we ever see is God's faithfulness. All we ever see is how God is sustaining us in this desert. That's not what they said. All we ever see is manna. When you relapse, you even forget what God is doing for you real time. When you relapse, you forgot how he is healing you and how he is delivering you and how he is being faithful to you, how he is not allowing your enemies to even come near you. They, they forgot. Our appetites are gone. We used to get meat and fish and cucumbers and leeks and onions and garlic for free. It was free, fool. You were a slave. What are you talking about? You. It was free. You ain't paying for the manna. What is you talking? What's wrong with you? You got amnesia? 
No, you relapsed. And when you relapse, you forget God's faithfulness. You stunt your own recovery. Because now you have selective amnesia. You remember the fish was free, but you forgot you was a slave. You got a taste for garlic, but you had to make brick with no straw. You want some cucumbers and forgot you were encumbered? Come on, language. Come through, SAT words. Come through dictionary.com. Uh, let me stop. That's, that's, just, that's just dumb. I don't even know why I said it. What are we talking about? How many times have we, can we just be honest real quick? How many times have we relapsed and forgot God's faithfulness? I remember being at the bus stop right down here on Beltline, because I used to live off uh, Beltline and Walnut Hill in some apartments. And I remember being at the bus stop and some dude uh, rolling up and, you know, I'm from California, but this, the South, you know, the candy paint and the rims and the things. And he pulled up and, and I wasn't married yet, baby. So <laughs> just got to disclaim that before I get into this whole thing. But, but, but he pulls up to the red light. Boom, boom. I mean, silver, whole cars vibrating. Two beautiful girls in the car. I'm waiting at the bus stop to go to TXU Energy to a call center. And I'm looking, I'm like, really, God? For real, man, this dude got a car, two cuties, and I ain't talking about oranges. <laughs> At the red light, all I'm trying to do is be faithful. I ain't even got a car yet, waiting for the bus. Got to wait on Dart. <laughs> TXU is six minutes from the, from, 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 from the apartment if I had a car. It is 44 minutes. Because the bus, I'm just like, just go left right there, dog. If you just hit that left, I'll walk the rest of the way. This fool. I'm literally walking on the frontage road in the grass at 7.30 in the morning so I don't get hit by a car. Because it dropped me off by the AT&T and I had to walk around the corner and I had to, so every morning I got to work, I had grass all in my shoes, had to go to the bathroom first, wipe off the grass, go inside. And I relapsed. I wasn't thinking about God's faithfulness to me in that moment. The provision he was giving me, all I could think about is what I had before I said yes to him. Because remembering is not recovering. Point number two, please write this down. And only have two points because that's all you can take. <laughs> Apparently, God only gave me two points. I'm not saying that you couldn't take more, but he only gave me two points. Psalm 111 and 1. 1, 1, 1, 1. Psalms 111 and 1. Praise the Lord! Woo! That's enough for me right there. You command me to praise him, I praise him. I, I, I leaned over to uh, Eunice and Rory, and I said, it's good and churchy in here this morning. That's what I said. It's good and churchy. And I clarified. I said, I've been in churchy that wasn't good. So I had the knowledge that it was good and churchy in here this morning. Why? Because we were being reminded of God's faithfulness. 
and we could praise the Lord. I know if we opened up testimony service, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things people are going through right now. Ryan told you about what he's going through with his family and with his father. But, but I know every, everybody in here is going through something right now. And we still choose to praise him. That'll make me go Easter on y'all so quick. When, when, when you praise God in spite of, all of hell doesn't know what to do with you. They are banking on you to have a meltdown because you had a car wreck. They are banking on you to be crazy. I, uh, last week, uh, I was up here counseling somebody, and our fire alarms went off at the house, and the, and the fire department came, and they're looking all through the house. They don't know what happened, and our water pressure thing broke, the uh, water heater. The water heater broke. The water seeped and short-circuited one of the alarms, and then it just blasted the whole house. And it was faux grand. <laughs> you felt that, didn't you, DK? Faux grand. Not faux hundred. Not fourteen hundred. Faux grand. I was still counseling. Julia was like, baby, it's going to be like four grand to fix this. Now, I have two choices. Be mad that it's four grand or be thankful I had it. I mean, that's the only two things you got. Okay? I chose to be thankful. I don't want to spend four grand on water heaters, y'all. There's better stuff I can do with that money, man. <laughs> Nobody ever wants the line item at the end of the year to be like, four grand went to water heating. I'm like, boil the water in a pot, throw it in a tub, and let's... Third world can do it, so can we. What's the problem? But praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of our Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. Get this. He causes us to remember his wonderful works, how gracious and merciful is our Lord. I'm going to ask you this question and I'm going to go. What are you remembering? That's how I'm ending the whole message. What are you remembering? You have a choice of what you want to remember. You get to choose how you want to integrate and tell your narrative. I choose to tell you all that I was sexually abused when I was eight. And I also choose to tell you God was faithful to bring me through it. I choose to tell you that I had a porn addiction and that I was very promiscuous. I also choose to tell you more about God's deliverance from that porn addiction. I choose to tell you that my brother was killed on September 17th of 2004 and I was suicidal to the point that I had my dad's revolver in my hand cocked. I also choose to tell you that without calling a suicide hotline, the Holy Spirit made me put that gun down so I could tell you that he is faithful even on your darkest day in your deepest pit. God is faithful.
faithful. I can choose to tell you about the dark days in my marriage. I can also choose to tell you this is 23 years and we're still going strong because God is faith. What will you remember? What will you declare? What will you tell people? What? You get to choose it. You choose what you want to remember. You want to rehearse all the past bad stuff? You will continue to have past bad traumatic memories. Or you can choose to remember that he brought me out. He touched my mind. He made me crave something else beside the stuff that kept me in slavery. I don't desire slave food no more. I'm not eating chitlins on Juneteenth. My ancestors didn't get through all that stuff they've been through for me to still eat pig's guts. I'm having sea bass. manna. The manna didn't taste like nothing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The manna didn't taste like nothing. It wasn't supposed to taste like nothing. It was supposed to cleanse your palate. The manna wasn't meant to replace the meal you had in your bondage. The manna was meant to erase the taste of what you had in your past. To prepare your palate for what you were about to receive. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Ah! Taste and see that the Lord is good. How, how could you know how creamy the milk is in the promised land? how sweet the honey is in the promised land if you still got fish breath. Do you know the type of clash garlic and honey would have? Do you know what type of clash cucumbers and milk would have? God said, I'm going to erase that off your palate and I'm going to give you this manna. This manna will act as a sorbet. I'm going to cleanse your palate so that when you get into the promised land, the first glass of milk you drink, you go, what? Is this what freedom tastes like? That first drop of honey you put on your toast, is this what freedom tastes like? I don't want no more cucumbers. If this is what you, you was preparing me for dessert this whole time. He was preparing me to enjoy the rest of my life the whole time. And I had the nerve to try to remind myself because God already told you what to remember. He chose you. He told you to remember the freedom, not to remember the bondage. What will you remember? It's your choice. I got to be done. Bow your heads. Jesus It would be so convenient if you could just wipe our memories, but that, you, you, that's not how you work. 
You want us to hold the tension of all of our bad memories and the good memories. You leave us with the choice of what to remember. God, may we remember the good things. May we remember the God things. For your glory we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Urban. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.